Well, it is a delight to be here, as I shared earlier. Um, every connection I've had with uh, Bridgewood has been just so positive and so encouraging to me personally. I knew Diane Storrs a long time ago, for those of you who know her, when she was starting The Dwelling Place. And uh, we worked together a little bit then. And then uh, Diane introduced me to Mark, and Mark invited me to come and work with your leadership team a little bit. And I was just so impressed to have Tom Stewart, who founded this church, who planted it with some of, the, some of you, um, to be a part of his team, supporting him and encouraging him. And then to watch as Mark is making this transition to Brendan, and both of them coming with such humility, such wisdom, such willingness to give everything they have to one another. Um, it's a really a, a beautiful work of unity, a beautiful, beautiful work of um, the Lord. It's very obvious that the Lord is in it. And um, so it's really delightful to be here. And there are a couple miraculous things in terms of my own experience to come today. First of all, Mark asked the, the board if they would come and preach, and I said yes. And that was kind of miraculous for me because I usually say no to those kinds of things. I like to be behind the scenes. I like to be undergirding. I like to be um, leading in a different way than being up front. And so when I said yes, it was like, oh, I said yes. And then I asked the Lord, well, what is it you want me to say since you asked me to say yes? And immediately he gave me four passages in Scripture, four pictures from Scripture they all kind of seemed pretty random, so I thought, okay, well, and I, as I started studying and looking at them, how fun it was to see the word the Lord has for you. I believe he has a great word for you. In fact, my belief is that at this time of transition, you as a church, you as individuals, actually, can become stronger and even more influential by building bridges, and we're going to talk about that today. I have such a sense of his favor for you and um, the great work that he really wants to do in this area. So the first passage is kind of long, and it's really rather dramatic. It's uh, kind of a funny passage, frankly, and um, it's got two parts to it, but I'm going to read it all at once so we have it um, all before us. It's um, from Numbers chapter 11, starting with verse 4. And I'll skip here and there, but um, I'm going to read most of this chapter. So this is about the time when the Israelites had been told they were going to go to a promised land, and here they are in the wilderness. Um, they've been walking a long time, and that's the setup for the, for the situation. The rabble with them, the Israelites, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the onions, the leeks, and the garlic the melons. And now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. And it goes on to describe the manna. It was something they picked up every day and they made food out of it. God provided it miraculously, but they were tired of it. Moses heard um, the people, starting at verse 10, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to give them to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. 
If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let, my fa- let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, Bring 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as the leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak to you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden um, of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. And then he goes on to tell the people to consecrate themselves because he's going to do this work. And, and Moses is kind of going, how am I going to do all this? And the Lord said um, in verse 22 or 23, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not I um, say what I say will come true for you. So um, Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them again, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. And then it, it, went, it goes on to talk about two that weren't even there, who were elders, who also started to prophesy. And jo- Joshua came and, and he says, wait, what should we do about these guys? They're prophesying. And Moses said, um, let me read it. He said, uh, um, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So that's the first word, um, and again, it was, it, it was interesting for me to, to get that, but what I do love is when the Lord gives us a picture through other people, what they did wrong, so we can maybe do some things right. And um, that's, I do want to say this is an encouraging word for you today. It's a positive encouragement. Um, along the way, the people of Israel were in the wilderness, and I'm going to call that the middle, There was the beginning. They started out in Egypt, and they were in slavery there. They obviously didn't remember the bad things. They were really longing for just the good things um, from the the starting place. And then they're in the middle, in the wilderness, but there was a promised end. The Lord had said, I'm going to take you into a land that I've prepared for you. In the middle, the people of Israel were discouraged by the day-to-day grind of being in the desert, of eating the same food, of experiencing other hardships, and it caused them to start complaining. They began to look back and talk about the things that they missed. So imagine, if you will, this is a bridge that was intended to lead them from one place to another. But their remembering and longing for the good things of the past seemed to take them backward. While they were still on the way, they failed to remember that it was God that was doing something, that God had given them a promise, that it was God was working, and they forgot, it seemed like, that God was working at all. So rather than working with him and trusting him that he was leading, they wanted to stop working toward completing the bridge and leave it half done. As I worked with your leaders to understand what the Lord wanted to do in this transition, it was so clear to each of them that God's provision at this time was Brendan. As I've gotten to know your leaders, I'm aware that it really was God who began this good work and that he has great purpose for this community. So my encouragement to you in this time is to remember that God began something, he is still at work, and he's got some place that he wants to take you. 
Remember that he is leading. He has specific and good purposes for you. Yes, you've had marvelous leaders in Tom and in Mark. Yes, there were many wonderful and substantial things the Lord did in those days. But I encourage you to turn away from the inclination to look back longingly. It's okay to look back. It's okay to learn from the past, but to look back longingly and instead believe that God is taking you to a new place. Do you know that it's a fact that not one of those Israelites other than Joshua and Caleb got to realize the promise God had made? They didn't get to experience the promised land. They didn't get the end. Looking back and wanting what was in the past will keep you from fully realizing what the Lord wants to do in the present. The Israelites literally walked a bridge half-built. Learn from them. Partnering with the Lord through trust and looking forward will build a bridge that will help you realize in full what the Lord wants to do to you, for you, and through you. I felt that there were also individuals who needed to hear this word. You might have had a word from the Lord many years ago. And at this point, you're feeling kind of disappointed and a little bit let down because the Lord hasn't seemed to fulfill it. What he desires in the middle, that wilderness between the promise and the promise fulfilled, is faithfulness. Don't despair because you've not seen it yet. Learn from the Israelites. Don't get caught thinking the past was better because God spoke to you there. In this story, God is at work in the whole story. Realize the lack of faithfulness on the part of the Israelites meant they didn't see the promise. Trust him and expect that as you continue in faithfulness, he will fulfill his promise. We partner with him in this way to build a whole bridge. God doesn't do it all himself. He asks us to partner with him in faith and in faithfulness. So there's a second part of that story in Numbers 11 that was supposed to encourage you as well. Um, Moses, as a leader, despaired with quite a bit of drama, I would say, um, when the people were complaining. You know, his words were, have I birthed these people? Why am I carrying them like an infant? That you are the one that gave them the promise. He's kind of reminding the Lord, these are your people. This is your work. This is you. Why am I stuck in the middle of this? So for one thing, you need to know that leaders can have temper tantrums from time to time. (laughs) But God... In this situation, even though the word says he was angry, he also had compassion. He had compassion. He says, okay, bring me 70 of the elders, 70 of the leaders um, known to you. Have them come, and I'll come and speak to you there. When Moses gathered the leaders, the spirit did fall on them, and they could prophesy. And that only means they could speak the heart of the Lord. They understood what was on the Lord's heart. They could see what God was doing. There were 70 of them, and that's what encouraged Moses. In fact, Moses saying, I wish all the people could prophesy because he understood that if everybody knows the Lord's heart, there's such a wonderful thing that happens and no one's alone. It's a good thing. Later, the prophet Joel said, in those days, the Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh and your young men will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, lots of people, everybody is going to have the opportunity to know the Lord's heart. And then Peter at Pentecost said, this is it. This is what Joel was talking about. The Spirit's been poured out on us all. And you are a church that knows the power of the Holy Spirit. You know the power of the Spirit. 
that allows you to understand God's heart, that allows you to seek him and know him and have the mind of Christ. Paul told us we should all be eager to prophesy. While leadership is an important gift, and it is important that people follow the leaders that, that, that are appointed, there's, a, there's an important bridge that needs to be built from your leader, to, from Brendan, um, to the leaders that are empowered by the Spirit. God doesn't mean for him to do it alone, and he needs to look to, this, to the people who can lead uh, according to God's heart. But just as importantly, for those of you who know the power of the Spirit, to search the Lord's heart on matters, each side of this bridge, the leader and the people, can come together by his power and his leading. This can't be done by human thinking or human reason or your own agenda. It has to be the power of the Spirit. And that power can create a strength that far exceeds anything any of you can do on your own. Moses, like many Old Testament examples, was a forerunner of God's purposes for us as a church. The ministries of Jesus, Peter, and Paul show us that God intends for us all to walk by the Spirit, to all of us understand the mind of Christ, and that we do it in such a way that no one is alone, but rather we can be one in understanding the heart of the Father. In human thinking, it's not possible. But if we submit to the, to the Father and the Spirit, we can. So knowing God's heart and walking in his power can bridge the isolation and burden of leading and create stronger communication of God's plans as you work together. Again, if you as an individual have not received this power, I invite you to ask the Lord for it. He made it available, and he wants you to have it. If you've been doing the religious Christian life, trying to do all these things you're supposed to do and find it difficult, or maybe you've invited the Lord, but you've stopped operating by the power of the Spirit, I want to just encourage you today, invite that back again, because the Spirit has way more to offer than any of us on our own. Another passage that also brings encouragement for us working together is from 1 Corinthians 12. For most of you, it's a really familiar passage. It describes the body or the church with, as, as being one part with lots of members. So every body part fits in somehow. And this is how it reads, um, in verse, in, in, uh, starting in verse 18. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Not only are there many parts in a body, but there's also a lot of connecting places in the body. There's um, ligaments that that, um, connect bone to bone. There's tendons that connect muscle to bone. There's uh, synapses that permit neurons or nerve cells to send chemical uh, messages from one cell to another that's really important for our nervous system. The heart itself pumps blood, something else, all the way through so that it connects to every part of the body, keeping it alive and vital. If any of these connectors, if any of these body parts fail to do their part, things go wrong. If any of these or countless other places get disconnected from the body, they lose their vitality. They cease to function. If any of them fail, the whole body is often um, affected by that. I believe the Lord, through this passage, wanted to encourage you to ensure you're building the kinds of connections in toward one another, 
that keep you vital, that keep you connected? Have you pulled away from the vital connection to other parts of the body? Now is a good time to reconnect. Sometimes we can think our spiritual life is about us and God. We can think, every, you know, if I have my relationship with God, everything else is kind of superfluous. But that's not what this passage cries out. This passage cries out, we have to be vitally linked to one another. That's good for us, and it's good for the church. Body parts also have to give and receive in order to remain healthy. If there are pooled resources at either end, something goes wrong. Giving without receiving leaves you empty and without resource. Receiving without giving uh, pools things, and it kind of causes kind of an apathy, an atrophy. Resources pool to the point of disease without healthy movement. This next week, this time of transition, is a perfect time for you to reinvest in your connections here in the body or wherever you might be placed. Maybe you are new here and you've not connected at all. Ask somebody, where would be a good place for you? Do get connected. Consider that it's God who has placed you here. And God has a purpose for you to serve in this particular place if you're a part of this church. It's the intention is to be a vital part of the body, both to contribute and to receive. Ask him or ask others how you might connect. Maybe you've been connected a long time. Maybe now is a good time to just check. What's your vitality like? Are you contributing lots of the good things the Lord has put in you? Are you receiving from others instead of just always acting like your job is to give to people? Give and receive as a part of the body. It really makes for a healthy body. Some of you may have been wounded along the way. There have been misunderstandings or there have been hurts. Do any of you know of one living body that's lived any matter of minutes or hours or years, for that matter, that hasn't had an injury, a sickness, a wound, an illness? The normal life of a body is to have things happen, if it's, if it's functioning at all. Things happen in the body. It's not abnormal. It's not kingdom, but it's not abnormal. Maybe that's why God is such a healer. He can heal, but he doesn't heal if you disconnect yourself as a part of the body. If you disconnect yourself from him, certainly, and if you disconnect yourself from the body, he, he doesn't, he can't heal. So give him your situation. Give him your, your things that maybe have kept you from connecting in with the body wholeheartedly. Use the gift in his example of forgiveness as a way to wash away any wounds and then commit to connect again in good ways. He means these connections both for your good and for the good of the body and the work he has to do through you. So build these bridges or connections in to strengthen the body and yourself. The next passage was from James chapter 3. This is more like material to build a bridge than an actual bridge, but I really found it to be important Um, James 3 verse 13 says who is wise and understanding among you let them show by their good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom and then it goes on to talk about what wisdom that's not from the Lord is like but I'm going to skip to the wisdom that is from the Lord in verse 17 it says but the wisdom that comes from the heaven is first of all pure then peace loving considerate submissive 
full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So God is offering this wisdom, and it's made of these amazing components, just amazing. Purity, peace-loving, considerate, all these wonderful things. As you work together, as you're about in the community, imagine the strength of any bridges you work to build with this kind of material. It's offered by and from God. It's not the same as our human wisdom. It's pure. It's not contaminated by, think, by fallen thinking, but it's got kingdom thinking. It's, it thinks about what is God doing? What does God want? What does the word say? It's, um, it's pure. It loves peace. It's considerate. It's submissive. In other words, it's never self-centered. It's full of mercy, like love. It keeps no record of wrongs. It offers grace to, to others. Much good comes from it. It's fruitful. It considers all the same without favor to some and disregard to others. As you build bridges with this kind of wisdom, who could resist wanting in? Who could help but recognize the kingdom of God is far superior to the kingdom of man? How strong would that bridge be that is built with these components? It's a good time to re-examine right now what you have determined wisdom to be as you interact with others here or in your community and certainly as you walk through transition. Are you at odds with people because of your beliefs, your opinions, your judgments instead of finding ways to be at peace with them? The wisdom from above is peace-loving. Do you mix a little of your selfish desire with kingdom truth so that generosity and love get disregarded? The wisdom from above is pure. Is submission a word you think isn't for you? Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you're really smart. Maybe you're liberated. Maybe you're a husband. And you think submission is for somebody else. Well, the wisdom that comes from above is submissive. It's full of mercy. Are you? It's full of good fruit. Can you see fruit in your life? These are not to condemn. Rather, I just have such a sense of the Lord's invitation to you. He wants to invite you to, to take on this gift that he gives from above. It's, a, it's an invitation to remix the concrete, as you will. If you start with bad materials, you're not going to get a good bridge. He's inviting you to build bridges that will last. Lastly, the work of Jesus with his disciples came to mind, and I kind of walked through the book of Matthew as I did this. We often think, and rightly so, that Jesus is a bridge from us to God, that he made the bridge that breaches the chasm between God's holiness and our fallen nature. You know that nature that does the things you don't want to do and doesn't do the things you do want to do? That nature? Well, God isn't like that. He says what he's going to do and he does it. He always is good. And um, he, we, are, we make the way on that bridge that is Jesus to God. But I think Jesus shows us a more complete picture of this whole bridge that extends from heaven to earth. According to Colossians 1, Jesus came to show us the visible picture of an invisible God. He continually explained to his disciples what the kingdom was like. Here are a few examples. 
Immediately after he called James and John and told them the kingdom was near, he went preaching throughout Galilee. He was healing the sick and um, every disease among the people. And he preached the good news. In the parable of the sower, the picture that anyone who hears uh, and receives the good news of the kingdom is one who produces a crop that is 160 or 30 times greater than what was sown. There's the parable of the mustard seed, where Jesus said, though it's the smallest of seed, when it grows, it grows up so that birds can rest in its branches. And then he told them about the kingdom of heaven being like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom, you see, that Jesus was showing his disciples provides good things as it grows and develops. It becomes fruitful. It makes more of itself. Even a little bit of it has potential to substantially influence the things around it, like a little bit of yeast with a lot of flour. The kingdom, Jesus said, is like a treasure hidden in the field. In other words, it's more valuable than anything else, and it's, worth more, it's worthy of more investment than anything else. The kingdom of heaven is merciful, like the king who forgave a debt. It's generous, like the landowner who paid each worker, regardless of the time they worked, simply because he was good. In the parable of the tenants, Jesus told that the kingdom of God was for those who would produce its fruit. He said the kingdom was like a wedding banquet prepared and made ready. Even the clothing to be worn is provided. It's ready. It simply needs to be received. In these and other ways, Jesus showed them what the Father's kingdom looked like repeatedly. And then he taught them to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. He commissioned them to teach others the ways of his kingdom that are not the ways of this world. To obey, to, to obey its laws and nature, bringing it to others, even the whole world. Jesus did make a bridge to, for us to the Father, but he also made a bridge from the Father to us. He wanted us to be one with them, to connect heaven to earth. He showed his disciples, and he asked them to do the same, and they were to ask us to do the same, and on and on. He told his disciples to go into the world and bring his kingdom rule. Not simply that people would believe. That's so important, and of course if you don't believe, you can't get to heaven. But that's only one part of the bridge. The bridge is also to bring heaven to earth. It's active and fruitful in us so that, so that we make a bridge from, earth, from heaven to earth. If we're in Christ the, and Christ is in us, then, then the kingdom is what people should see in us. Have you walked that bridge that Jesus made for you to get to heaven without ever considering his command to be fruitful, to extend that same bridge from heaven to earth to others? Have you let him and his kingdom increase in you to the extent that what others see in you exemplifies the kingdom? That's what the first disciples did. It's a great purpose he's given us. It's an amazing thing to think about what kind of power could be brought to the broken, to the empty, to the hopeless, to the misdirected. If you and I, if this church, if the churches in this community brought that visible image of an invisible God into this, into this place. 
Every soul is longing for that kind of life, of his goodness, his mercy, his generosity, his fruitfulness, his love, his provision. I believe his word to you is to build these bridges. First, uh, bridges up, first of all, to God. Look for his leading, for his promises. Remember his purposes without looking back, without losing faith. Keep your awareness of God keen and remain faithful to trust him. Build bridges in, 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 into one another by walking in the power of the Spirit, by being vitally connected to one another as body parts, and by receiving the wisdom he makes available from above. Build bridges out to the world that's in great need of transformation, purpose, joy, and peace. Imagine how different this community could be if these kind of bridges were established from this place. These are the bridges the Lord offers partnership to build with you. So during our worship today, maybe ask God, what is it? Which, which bridge do I need to really spend some time on? Is it the bridge materials? Is it the bridges up, in, or out? At this time of transition, again, I'm going to say it, I believe you as individuals and you as the body can become stronger and even more influential by fulfilling the calling of this great church to build bridges. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are at work and that you have plans and purposes. I thank you so much for the heritage of this place. I thank you for so much for the people that you have put in this place, the power of the Spirit that has been made available. I ask, Lord, that in these days you would create a new beginning, that you would create a, a, on a firm foundation a wonderful new work, one that is seen by the community, one that meets the need of the community, one that blesses this community, one that blesses your heart, Lord. I ask that you bless them in their transition, that you bless Brendan as he leads. I ask, Lord, that your presence would remain in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah.